I don't know him. If, he, if he's already said something, I don't know who this <laughs> yeah, guy so, is. So anyways, let's solve racism. All right, Keith. So. Let's do this. Today we're talking about my number nine, top ten favorite films of all time. Are you going to, like, welcome people to the episode, or do you... Why? They know. They know why. They know they're here. I value they, they you as play. people. Everett does not. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining Keith and I on this episode of What I Miss. We're going to talk about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, and I don't believe Keith had seen it before. Is that correct, Keith? I had not seen it before. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner stars Spencer Tracy, Sidney Poitier, and Catherine Hepburn. Came out in 1967 and is basically follows the story of uh, a young woman who brings home a, a new love in her life who she met while traveling. Brings home this man to meet her parents. Her parents are very liberal people, progressive people for the time. But that's all put to the test when it turns out the guy is a black guy. This is John. Dr. Prentice. I'm so pleased to meet you. It was uh, dealt with interracial relationships and I think was a very uh, progressive way for that time period and in my understanding featured the first interracial kiss of all time in a, in a film so it was uh it was very exciting <laughs> i love this movie obviously i have it on my top 10 list for a lot of reasons what the question that kept going over in my head as i watched the film is why is this your ninth favorite film. Favorite was the word I kept coming back to because it's not a bad film. It's a very, it's a very good film and we'll get into yeah. that from a film standpoint. But the word favorite, yeah, it, like I feel like you need to define that because our definitions of favorite may be different. Like, I, I, like why is this your fa on your 10 favorite films? Largely, I think just because of, uh, I watched it like once a week throughout my childhood. You watched this once a week? Yeah, there was like, I don't know, uh, 10 movies, six to 10 movies that, you know, like those were my favorite movies from the time I was three years old till the time I was like 10 or 11 or 12. And I would just literally watch them all the time. So you, let me get this straight. You're, you're how you said between three and 12? Yeah. You're like, what an astute young boy you are. At, at, at six years old, you're watching like a, such a, uh, I don't, I don't want to say heavy because it's not super heavy, but like the content is, is um, not even controversial, but there's weight to what, you know, there's meaning to what, what is happening. Is, is, was that stuff lost on you or, or did you really understand the, the, the difficulties that the film was bringing to light, the, the situations between you know, interracial couples and why that was such a big deal at that, you know, 50 years ago. Did you understand what was going on or you're like, this is fun, nice house. Yeah, I mean, I think I understood as much as I could understood as a, as a, a white appearing six-year-old child from an upper middle class <laughs> background, you know? It's like, oh yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was aware of the stakes 
uh, per se. That's crazy to me. And I, 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 I was thinking about this a lot as I rewatched this movie last night. Nah, it's hard to, it's hard to speak about. I feel like particularly in today's climate, but just like, yeah, trying to, um, I was just thinking about how, like, growing up, like, uh, race was never something that I, like, you know, it's, it's really cliche to say, too, as, like, a white person to be like, I don't see color, right? Like, I don't, I don't see race. But, like, that's how I felt as a kid. And that brings me to one of my favorite things about this film is Sidney Poitier, who, I don't know if you know this, he's probably my favorite actor of all time. I think we've talked. I think you've mentioned that before. He's the reason I wanted to become an actor. Wow. Um, as a little boy, I loved, like, three or four of his movies. This one, Lilies of the Field, In the Heat of the Night, To Sir With Love. He was just my favorite actor forever, and I thought, I want to be that guy. And I never thought, like, oh, he's a black guy. You know, or yeah. I just thought like he's a great actor, he's a great actor, and I love him. So what? What was it? What can I can I ask one follow up question? Like, of course, yes, he's very talented. Uh, I agree, fantastic actor. And it's one of the things the performances in this I I think were were some of the best things about this film. Uh, several performances. He's extremely talented, but why was it just his talent? Was there was there something specific that you really gravitated? Is it his poise? He feels very poised to me as an actor. Uh, he doesn't reach yeah. for moments to, you know, he really lets things come to him. To, that's my observation. But what, what is it about him to you that really stuck out that you gravitated to as a young kid? I think that poise is a really good way to describe it. I think his talent is overwhelming. Like, he's so good. But also, he was just always so cool. And I feel like in, in this role, when he's got a lot of things kind of stacked against him and he, he's in uncomfortable situations, he's just still really confident. You know, he's wearing this nice suit, he's a doctor, he's just kind of a badass. And I feel that way in the other roles of his. He's just always got this cool energy to him, and I don't know, it always really resonated to me as a kid. Give me the number one thing that you love about this film. Uh, the acting. That's, that's what I'd say, is, is the acting. I was thinking about this uh, last night as I rewatched, that I think Katherine Hepburn is probably the greatest actress of all time. Uh, if, she, wow. if she's number two, it's to Meryl Streep. But I think that she's definitely, she's got anybody who knows anything has to put her like in the top three best actresses of all time. Until today, I would never have believed that I could say such a thing. But when she fights you, and for what it may be worth, I'm going to be on her side. I think it's an incredible collection of talent until you get to Catherine Hepburn's niece, which we can talk about later. It was so tragic. I agree. That was my favorite part of the film was the the acting. For for me, every, <laughs> once you get past that, I, I, I start my opinion of the film starts to deteriorate a little bit. That I, I don't, I would never argue with the performances. Um, it felt more like a play to me than it did a film. And I think a lot of films in the in that that come from that older genre, if you will. Uh, tend to lean that way, um, so I don't think that's unique to that film. But but the, but it so the performances really stand out and they're highlighted I think because of that. Uh, but from there it sort of it starts to lose me in a in a in a in a couple areas. But I but I, I don't want to dwell on the negative just yet. The performances are uh, are the the shining moment of that of that film. So I, I do agree with with that. What is with number two? What is your second uh, best thing about this film? What you love most about this film? 
Well, I think the screenplay is really, really good. Um, and it did win, actually, best, best original screenplay that year, which uh, I right. was happy to learn. William Rose, I think, wrote it. I think what impresses me about it is that it's such a, it's such a writerly film in the sense of the structure because it is so much like a play. Like there's not a lot of other things to fall back on. You have the writing and you have the performances. And right. for I, I think it's really easy in those situations, and I can speak to this directly because I've written some horrible scripts uh, that all take place. That's, it's very that true. all take place in one location because you because it's because everything is words. The entire movie is conversations. Um, yeah. And I think it's really easy for a writer to get to 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 go too far and to be overly writerly. And I don't pick up on a lot of that in this movie. I think a lot oh. of it feels somewhat natural. It's, uh, and, at, there's very few times where I go, that's not how people talk. That's not how people would talk. And I, and there's a lot of movies where I, I have those moments where it's like, you know, yeah. it's like Kevin Smith movies. I like a lot of Kevin Smith movies, but nobody <laughs> talks like that. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's so quippy and, and perfect and yeah. all the retorts are perfect. Even little Aaron Sorkin to some extent where... Yeah, it's like people don't and talk like that. I like that. that. I mean, that's this is a different this is a different topic, but I do like that. I like tailored voices. I like hearing the voice of a writer to some degree. It can't overpower, obviously, the script. But Sorkin specifically, Kevin Smith specifically, are I think are some of the best writers, uh, film writers out there, be, because it's the same way a director has their stamp. When you watch a Scorsese film, it's undeniably a Scorsese film. Uh, when you listen to, uh, when you watch a Sorkin film, it's undeniably a Sorkin film. Why do? You, why would they get different treatment? Their voices are the, are 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 being carried through that film, and and to an extent, if there's a writer that I like and I want to see, you know, when Judd Apatow uh, either writes a film or produces a film, like I want to see a Judd Apatow film. Like I want that that voice and that perspective from him. It's why I'm going to see the film. So that I disagree with, but I'm going to digress because I want to get back to what I dislike about this specific film. Where the film lost me completely, uh, and I thought about you very specifically um, at this time, was the end of the film. Mm. I thought the final 10 minutes of this film was just borderline terrible. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because the last 10 minutes of this film is Spencer Tracy recapping word for word what I just saw for 80 minutes. Uh, why, how on earth, if I handed you a screenplay, uh, you, I say, Everett, I just wrote this. Here's my screenplay. And the last 10 minutes of the film was the main character, or one of the main characters just saying, and then you came home and I said, hi, how are you? And then you introduced me to this man. And then the priest came over and he said, you need to be okay with this. And then my wife came over to me and said, you need to be. And then at the end of the film, he was just like, and I love my wife and now I accept this marriage. It, that, to me, that is the, one of the worst forms of writing I've ever seen. How is that good? How is that good? Defend that. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's why you don't have any Academy Awards, Keith, and, and William Rose does. Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't disagree. I noticed that more last night than I, than I had ever before, probably. Um, I don't, I, the recap felt so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. 
I, you know, uh, here's a little how I'll defend it. I, I like I like the rest of that scene after he recaps, like his big monologue, his big emotional monologue about about that he's you know forcefully condemning uh, people that would be you know bigots against them and 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 whatnot. And, and yeah. I, um, and I and I respected that that even though like by today's standards it clearly doesn't go far enough and we can talk about that. Um, but like in that time, I thought to have Spencer Tracy, who is a screen icon going back to like 1930, and this is 40 years later uh, in the middle of civil rights, uh, this old white man standing up and having his moment in the spotlight to be like very very forcefully calling anyone that would. Uh, disagree with their marriage bastards and saying screw all those, those people. people and really like to me that's like the moment right it's like oh god so old white men are watching it in the 60s be like well I guess if Spencer Tracy's coming around right you know so I like I like that as it builds and maybe the writer or the filmmaker thought that yeah. they needed to sort of have this build up to this lead in where he starts this was my process for for understanding this and you know this you know just to really hold people's hands Again, I, I agree that it seems weird, um, and it wasn't the best, but that 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 to me is not the most egregious <laughs> flaw. That is to me, it's outrageous. To me, it's outrageous that 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 could that that even happened. That was like you would you would laugh me out of the room if I handed you a script like that today. Like if I said ever take a read, you would laugh me out of the room. I've never made it to the end of any of your scripts, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fifteen yes, pages you, is about the limit. So now you want to debate the level of penis she has to deal with? Penis is penis. No one likes it. Other than the general performances, what was, what was if you had to say, like, your favorite thing or your favorite couple of things about this movie, you can get specifically and be like, Sidney Poitier's performance, but I just, you know, what, what, yeah. what were those things? I do, honestly, I, I think the, the, I don't know the girl, the jo, Joey, Joanna. Catherine Houghton. Um, she so I haven't seen much of her work, if any of her work, because this is the first time I've seen this film. Yeah. So I, this is about it. <laughs> this, I thought the her performance and the juxtaposition of those two of of Sidney Portier and his performance and her and her performance and the, and their characters, how well they played their characters. I thought she was very good too, because she was this young, naive. Um, uh, girl who was so wide-eyed and and didn't you know didn't even register at all that this could be an issue. I thought that balance was was very intriguing to see that sort of played out and it wasn't too heavy-handed and it wasn't too it was just a nice. You're nuts. Uh, what am, what am I nuts about? You disagree <laughs> with what I'm saying? How do you disagree with what I'm saying? I, I disagree like completely a hundred percent. About what? About her performance. You thought it was bad? Like, you thought her performance was bad? Yeah. I I'm talking about how they work together. Yeah, but I, I well, I, the reason I said you're nuts at that moment is because I think it's very heavy-handed. I think her, I think her naivete and, and wide-eyed happiness all the time is played to such an extreme that it feels like it's from a different movie. I feel like that's the whole point. I feel like you couldn't have, I feel like you needed her, I feel like you needed her to be that way. Yeah, no, the character, the character needs to be that way. I think her performance is a little over the top, leaning into that. Um, and Maybe. And I've, I've felt that way, honestly, since I was a kid. It would, it would have been like my earliest criticism before I even knew you could criticize films. 
I remember thinking like, yeah, that girl's like being like literally like five years old and being like, yeah, that girl's pretty and she's okay, but like- oh, She's 23. She's doing so much. She's just like, oh, oh, oh. I've never been so happy in all my life. I'm just bursting. Yeah, yeah I can see that. <laughs> and I feel like she's constantly like piping in, piping up to be like, uh, the scene the scene that is so funny to me is when uh, Sidney Poitier's parents arrive and they're all the four four older people and Monsignor Ryan are sitting around kind of awkwardly and they're talking about how pleasant the flight was up from Los Angeles and uh, and she just like pipes in like if you're going to talk about flying you could talk about flying to Geneva because John and I are hoping to persuade all four of you to fly over for the wedding would anybody like to talk about that before I go up and start packing? Just shut the fuck up. And it's funny at the end when Spencer Tracy like says like, shut up. Like, just for two seconds, stop with the starry eyed. Like, you know, like, let's, we're talking about real shit here. You know, like, I just like, <laughs> shut up. And I think she works as a, as, a, as, a, as a clear juxtaposition to everybody else's hesitance. She's the thing. She's the only thing pushing the story forward. Yeah, the character, I agree completely. I'm not arguing against the character. I think her okay. performance is too much. It's too, oh, fair it's enough. like she belongs in a musical. Like she should be like singing in My Fair Lady. It's just too much. Like there's a, there's a way to do it with some subtlety and some skill. And what I was going to say is it's not entirely her fault because this was her first ever role and they drop her in to be the fourth person with three yeah. of the best actors of all time. Like, I, so I just think that, like, there was, it was a lose-lose. She's Catherine Hepburn's niece. Did you pick up on that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so she's, in real life, she's Catherine Hepburn's niece. So that's why, nepotism. Nepotism. Yeah. It works every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never, never doesn't work. The other little nitpick I have, which is, I have two others off the top of my head. Why was that, why was the young, attractive black girl even a character for those two scenes? Dorothy? None. No reason. There, there's literally, it's no reason. so bizarre that like, because they call so much attention to her in her first scene yep. when she walks by and Sidney Poitier is like, who's that? Who's like, that? and it's yeah. just like, oh, that, so that's going to become a thing. And it's like, no, nope. it, it's not. It's just for him to be kind of a creep for 30 seconds. <laughs> like, and then, and then she leaves, you know? Yeah. And she goes with like some delivery guy. Yeah. Which is another they dance their way out of the su film. Such pointless scene, although that delivery guy does have one of my favorite lines where he's like, Lady, don't look at me. I just deliver it. I don't wrestle the cattle. I think Dorothy is in the movie literally just to provide that scene where she gets picked up just to help break up the monotony of conversation scenes. Like, I really feel yeah, it's like, probably. okay, we have this play and we can't just jump from conversation to conversation. We got to have a scene where some guy shows up and there's some dancing. Yeah, no, it's a dance break. Yeah. It's literally, you want to talk about the worst performance is that guy's dancing. I have one other criticism of the film. It's hard for me, just from a story standpoint, take, take the racial implications out of it because that's the meat of the film. But, but from a, a viewer investment into this where I want to root for this couple and I want them to overcome the odds that are in front of them there is no groundwork laid for their romance. It's them telling other people, well, I love that person over there. It feels very distant. And maybe that's done on purpose because of the time frame and you don't want to see, it was the first on-screen kiss that you mentioned before. Like, so maybe that's a deliberate choice. So we can't see too much affection. We just have to allude to it. But that comes up really empty for me 
I just think it's a, it's a poor choice where it lo I left a lot of emotion on the table. I don't get really emotionally invested in a way that I could with another romance or love story. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a fair point. I think, I think but you touched on it. I, I, I'm sure they couldn't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, couldn't. Um, <laughs> like, because even the kiss is so minimal and, and uh, like, it's, it's at the very beginning of the film when they're in the taxi. And the guy, yeah. the guy looks in the rearview mirror, and if you look at the kiss, like they're just not moving. You know, it's like, like <laughs> yeah. they're just pressing their faces against each yeah. other in the rearview mirror. So yeah, I would imagine that it would be difficult for for them to have really dove into that. Something that I remember I want to talk about. What I think is cool is I like that. I, I think like the film itself. We don't have to get into the specifics of like the racial politics and what it accomplished and what it didn't because you and I are not really educated enough to, fit to be talking about too much of that. Correct. Um, yeah, which is basically just me saying I don't want to say anything that gets me in trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know him. If, he, if he's already said something, I don't know who this <laughs> yeah, guy so, is. So anyways, let's solve racism. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's dig in. What I think is cool is I think it, it was a cool choice to make her parents, quote-unquote, like, progressive liberal people. Um, I think it, it, it would have been so much easier and more predictable if they were just, like, sort yeah. of racist people in that time. Um, but it, I, I feel like it was an especially progressive decision to make them progressives. That they're, yeah. like, they're wealthy. They live in San Francisco in a house that would literally cost, like, $7 trillion today. That view overlooking the entire bay. I was going to say that there's no house that exists with that view of, of the bridge, of the, of the Golden Gate Bridge. It just doesn't, that, that doesn't exist. Look, is he the senator? Is he the president of the United States to <laughs> yeah. have a house like that? It's the just newspaper crazy. newspaper guy. <laughs> yeah, it's just so casual. I mean, yeah. I get that a newspaper mogul in those days was a very wealthy man, but still. But still. Um, I think the choice, I think that's a really interesting choice. Is, is, is... And, I, and I, when I was reading uh, reviews and whatnot of this film, there were some more modern-day reviews that connected it a little bit to Get Out in the sense that, like, you know, this, this white girl is bringing home her black boyfriend and the parents are like, you know, I would have voted for Obama a third yeah, yeah, time yeah, yeah. if I could have. Like, it's a lot of that kind of energy where I think that, that that was very probably challenging in a good way for, you know, for, like, white liberal folks to be like, hey, I'm, you know, you can just see Spencer Tracy fighting his whole career to, for progressive democratic ideals through his newspaper and publishing stories that were controversial because they were supportive of minorities and all yeah. that stuff. Like, I, you can just see that. But then it comes to his front door, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this is a little crazy. Yeah. And I just appreciate that. I think that's a cool element to the story. Of course I always have believed that in that fighting liberal facade, there must be some sort of reactionary bigot. So you can get out. <laughs> oh, go to hell. There was two things I noticed in my watching last night, which after watching this movie, I don't know, 200 times in my life, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's, I, I watch this movie a lot, that I had never noticed before. Um, and one of them I thought was good, and one of them I thought was really, 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 really bad. Um, and the, the one I thought was good was at the beginning of the movie, like one of the first shots is when... They're walking through the airport together after they land. The, the cheesy song is still playing. That's another complaint. I don't like that song. But as they walk through the airport, there's a, a wide shot where people watch them. 
and kind of like gossip with each other. And I'd never noticed that before, like just on the sides of the, the frame. Like these like older white people are like, and I just thought that was like, oh, that's a nice touch. But then I was reminded a shot or two later when they go to the art, uh, the art gallery, see that bitch Hillary. <laughs> that bigot Hillary. <laughs> yeah. As they, as they leave the art gallery, um, and I, I had noticed this part before, but I had forgotten until I watched it last night. It's kind of a wide, wider shot than it should have been as they walk to the taxi. And you can just see 30 people on the opposite side of the street, like, watching. Because, like, clearly they were like, oh, it's Sidney Poitier. You know, like, they, that was a fenced-off area, and it's just all these, like, construction workers that are just, like, staring at them from across the street. And so that was, I was like, maybe, maybe the airport was just real. <laughs> you know, and it really was. Like, people like, oh, my God, there goes Sidney Poitier. Or, like, oh, my God, who's that black guy with the woman? It was, like, a real reaction. Yeah. Um, so, either way, I like that touch if it was intentional, those little subtle things. And the thing I really thought, <laughs> that I thought was bad is that at the very end of the movie, the, the final line of dialogue that's spoken in the entire film comes right after this great woke awakening from Spencer Tracy and this whole speech about how we need to be, you know, more accepting and fuck everybody who doesn't see that this is a great thing and da 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 And then he goes, well, well Tilly, when, when the, the hell are we going to get, get some, some dinner? dinner? <laughs> to his, to his, to maid. his black maid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the end of the movie. And I thought, like, what a strange, strange choice. Like, like, like I, it really kind of blows my mind. Like, you, you, the way you feel about him recapping, I sort of feel about that. Where it's like, who thought, like, who... Like, I remember thinking it was funny as a kid because he kind of cusses a little bit. He says, when the hell and we get some dinner? And, he, and they're all getting back into normal, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He, he gave his speech. And yeah. now it's like, well, Tilly's got a lot of attitude. I'm going to give some to her. Yeah. But it's just like... Ugh. But that's <laughs> that's just something that just didn't age well. I'm sure at the time, like at the time, it was probably so socially acceptable. It was still not that big of a leap, you know. Or they probably just didn't even get it, you know. They they probably well, no, it's not to me. It's not even about social acceptability because it's still quote unquote would be like socially acceptable uh, to like speak that way to your maid. I feel like like because you're joking because she's part of the family. Yeah, yeah whether yeah. she's black, white. Cuban, anything. But, like, I think the issue is is that it's the last line of the film in a film that's all about progressive ideals on race right after the main speech about progressive ideals on race yeah. just to be, like, like, that no one just thought it from, like, a, from a filmmaking standpoint, not from a, not from a, you know, societal standpoint. standpoint, just to be like, oh, hey, maybe the last line shouldn't be jokingly chastising the black help. You know, like, I just, uh, it's just, a, it was very strange, very strange. Yeah. On a much, on a much lighter note, <laughs> one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about, and this, this might be it for me, but one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, in that moment, too, I think I literally laughed out loud, and I watched it five times in a row. I kept rewinding it. <laughs> After he says his big speech, and everybody, he gets this sort of, there's like this little round of applause and everyone's like, yeah, like they're like energized and they feel good and they're about to go in and have their dinner together and forge life ahead as one big family. He ends the speech, everyone's a wide shot. Everybody's like sort of like stands up and it's like a rah-rah moment. 
And the first thing she does is she like walks over to him and she gives him a big like presidential handshake. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the silliest thing I've ever seen in my life. He just professed his love to his wife and the passion is still there. And he walks over and she's like, give me five good ones, buddy. <laughs> like, and they just like firmly shake hands and they, go, and they go off to dinner. It's like the most professional thing I've ever seen someone greet another person that's supposed to have like love for one another. It's so funny. It made me laugh for like 10 minutes. Let me destroy you and make you feel like a horrible person. Okay, great. Give it to me. No, I don't know. I'm just going to I'm gonna bring this up because it's a great segue regardless to talk a little bit more about the performers. Uh, is that because, as I, as I mentioned, that, and you probably looked into it, that Spencer Tracy was like dying as yeah. he made this movie and was just like limping from day to day. He could only work two to three hours a day and was everyone like they couldn't even get insurance for the film. Because because he was gonna die and the studio didn't want to have you know deal with it da, 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 da. and Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy had like a 25 year intimate relationship leading up to this film and it was Catherine Hepburn who I think if I understand correctly was really pushing to get Spencer Tracy to do this role and convince everybody he could still do it he hadn't acted in several years his health was in such decline so they brought him back to do this final movie and at this time. She was living with him and was his live-in caretaker, and wow. but their but their relationship was not public. Like every it was like an open secret. But for all, because he was still married to his first wife from like forty years ago, they lived separate lives. It's this whole thing. It's a really crazy story. Wow. But so my my thought, as you said that, I haven't noticed that, but I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up because it sounds like it's probably humorous. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> but I like what if that was her like genuine like it wasn't even like a character thing and she wanted to just like shake his hand as a peer after he gave a great performance when maybe he was like throwing up in the bathroom right before you know what i mean it's like he's like dying and he's like all right this is the last scene i gotta really bring my a game and she's like you can do it spence you can do it yeah. and then he goes out there and he gives the speech and she's just like yeah. well done sir that, you know? that's exactly how she greets him she greets it's it's if you told me that was the true story, I'd be like, that makes so much sense. It's like, yeah. she's proud of him. It's like, it's how my, like, your father would shake your hand after you. It's like, good job, boy. Like, that's, not that I know what that feels like. But that's like, that's what it's, 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 it just made me laugh. But maybe you're right. Like, you saying that, putting that context around it, makes it seem like, oh, that's exactly what happened. Just in, in quick summation, I don't know if you saw this, Catherine Hepburn won Best Actress I did. for her performance. Spencer Tracy nominated posthum posthumously, Post posthumously, because um, he died like two weeks after they got done filming. Um, the Monsignor Ryan nominated for best supporting actor, and oh, Spen wow. uh, yeah, and uh, B B Richards maybe is her name is Sydney Portier's mother nominated for best supporting actress. Wow. I also think it was interesting. I don't know if you know this about Sydney Portier. Well, last Sydney Portier appreciation moment before we wind this down. Yeah. Um, he's the the first black actor to be nominated for an Oscar. He's the first black actor to win Best Actor, which not he for won this for role. Lilies. What what did he win again? I know he was the first black actor, but what, what uh, role was Lilies it? Lilies of the Field, the other one that we're going to watch soon, and that was I think four or five years before this. I I thought it was really weird that Sydney Portier was not nominated. For this film. Oscar's so white. Yeah, for real. Uh, but then I, and I thought, oh, it's got to be racism. And it probably was. 
But I then I saw that uh, 67 is the year this movie came out, and also that year In the Heat of the Night came out, um, which is another hugely popular Sidney Poitier film, uh, which we will also watch. And I believe To Sir With Love also came out in 1967, which is the third super popular Sidney Poitier film. And so people think that it, the Academy split votes, you know, so like not every, cause, because he had so many he had huge so many roles things, that year. Yeah. Which yeah. is a bummer, because I feel like Sidney Poitier deserved more recognition uh, for, for this part. I love, I love what he's like, when he gives his speech to his dad. You and your whole lousy generation believes the way it was for you is the way it's got to be. And not until your whole generation has lain down and died will the dead weight of you be off our backs. You understand? You've got to get off my back. I mean, that was really poignant. That, I mean, that was, that, that's the best part of the film. And when he says, like, uh, you know, I think of myself as just a man. Um, like it's just it's it's powerful. It's the, that whole speech is powerful. Yeah, I agree. That's we're we're gonna get ourselves into trouble right as we leave here because I feel like that that element of it, that even almost that speech in particular, is what more modern interpret interpreters of this film have a problem with. Really? Um, what what's what what am I missing? I don't know. I don't know what I miss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great That's the name of the show. Uh, <laughs> Cut to black. I, I, I don't want to speak to it too much because I don't fully understand, and I don't want to be like too dismissive. Um, but I think, I think that the a lot of the, to use sort of a, a hot button trigger word, the identity politics of today, uh, you know, it's, it's not. I don't know. I don't know, Keith. <laughs> well, I'm not asking you. Well, <laughs> let's say this. I, th I think it, they might say that Sidney Poitier's character shouldn't be chastising his father for identifying as a black man. Because you are a black man and you should take ownership of that. Whereas what, what, what seemed more progressive in the 60s was we're all, we're all equal. Like what, just what he said. You see yourself as a black man. I see yeah. myself as a man. And I remember thinking that was very profound as a kid. It's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think now that's sort of flipped a little bit, if I'm understanding correctly, where it's like, no, you, you, he is a black man, and he should be proud of that. Like, it's just a different way yeah. that it's I, I never took it as he's not proud of that. Uh, the way that I interpret the line is, and, and I apologize for any of, uh, people I'm offending right now, but the way that I, the, the way that I interpret the, the, the line is... Uh, I, I, I live, I see myself as someone without limits. Like I don't need to be defined or categorized as something. I am a man just like everyone, other people are people. I'm, I'm a man like you're a man, like this person's a man. I, I'm not a man with limitations. It's, it's, I, I, I just thought he was empowering himself to, to, to say I am equal, I am as good, you know, I am not a second class citizen. I'm a person, I bleed just like the next man bleeds. Like, that's, that was just I think, my I general... Think, yeah, yeah, I, what you're saying is he's saying, I'm not defined by my skin color. Yes, not that I'm not proud of it, I'm not... Yeah, 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 and I think that by, that's, by I, I agree, like, that's right. That, that's, that's, that, that was, like, what was, I always thought as a young white person, was, like, that was the aspiration, is we don't... We don't, we don't notice that stuff. Yeah, we don't, we're just we don't all define people. ourselves Isn't, by that. I would always think and that's the point. And I think that that was considered very progressive at that time, whereas that might be considered less progressive now because it's like he's, uh, I don't know, like turning his back on his race to some extent. Yeah, I can, and, I can and, see people who would interpret it, it, it that way. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think 
it's it's not for us to agree or disagree. Correct. Though I though I probably sort of disagree. <laughs> <laughs> like I, you know, I think like that that was that was always held up as as the yeah. the standard. I thought was like, oh, we're all. It's just a different form. It's different forms. It's different versions. Different perceptions of uh, equality, if you want to call it that, or or you know, I don't know. It's it's sensitive. It's complicated. It is complicated, and it is. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it's good. It's good if we if we went through an entire uh, discussion about guess who's coming to dinner without really talking about race per se. That probably would have been also problematic. I, I'm sorry. <laughs>